This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. Suffering for Jesus is constantly going back to what Scripture says. It says, if they hated you, remember that they hated me first. And then looking at him on the cross and says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And to constantly keep dishing on. Suffering for Jesus is, is not a one-time thing. It's not a, I went to prison once or I'm willing to get my head you know, blown off for the sake of Christ, but it's a daily thing. It's a daily sacrifice. And, and in our context today, our biggest suffering comes from our you know, desires that we give into. And God says, no, you cannot give into those desires. You need to hold off. You cannot indulge in that. Your friends are going to make fun of you. Your co-workers will make fun of you. But you cannot indulge in that. You cannot say that. You cannot participate in that. And you've got to pull away. And will you be willing to suffer for my name? Do you consider suffering for Jesus as a treasure? Let's build on this a little bit more. See what Paul has to say. Verse 8. He says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. We just saw that. And for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. Do you remember his all things? We saw that last week, the obstacles that he spoke about, his ancient ritual of circumcision, his nationality of being an Israelite, his generational greatness of being from the tribe of Benjamin, his pure race of being a Hebrew of Hebrews, his education and ordination as a Pharisee, as a student of Gamaliel, his zeal as a persecutor of the church, his religion of saying, you know what, under the law I was blameless. He says, I consider all of these things as rubbish. I've suffered the loss of all these countless things as rubbish. This is very interesting. Again, I'm talking to most of you guys who have been through this verse before, but um, let, me, let me go through this still. There are, I've had to read a bunch of commentators to see how are they trying to polish this word rubbish. First of all, who uses the word rubbish? I mean, like, take, take, the, take the rubbish out. Like, you know, it's like, what? It's like, you know? Is a rubbish man coming today to collect the rubbish? Like, no. We don't say rubbish, right? I mean, in America where you say garbage, no, you say you trash, right? Not garbage, right? It's, it's, it's trash, yeah. Or you say the garbage man coming, right? Or you say trash, the trash truck. You say the trash truck, is a trash truck coming? Garbage man, that would be bad, right? That's, that would be probably insulting. It's a garbage man coming, no. But we just use both. There we go. Welcome to your English lesson today. Okay. But Paul is saying, for, for the sake of Christ, I've suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish. Um, you need to know that when they were translating the Bible to in the time when they were translating, they were trying to make it you know, understandable because it's from Greek to English and they're like, what word would actually work the best? So that's why when Jesus comes and he tells his disciples, hail. I'm like, really? Hail? Like, can you imagine Yeshua walking and he's like, sees Peter and Joy, he's like, hail. Like, what are you? Like, <laughs> hail, really? Possibly he said, shalom. Right? That was a greeting. But and some, some of the translators say, and, and, and the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, greetings, you know, like, season's greetings, Mary. It's Christmas, but you don't know it yet. Mary, did you know? You know anyways. <laughs> uh, but when, when over here, when it says rubbish, one commentator, he, he kind of, he's hovering around. He says, it's foul-smelling street garbage. Or fit only for dogs, is one uh, commentator put it. But, but really, it's poop. Scubula. It's, and King James would say dung, but again, it was translated predominantly for people who had farm animals and they would scoop poops every day, right? Like those of you who have animals, like go, you know, clean up the stalls. And for them, it made sense. It's like, man, all his, all his righteousness was, was, was dung, but it's really not dung. It's excrement, but it doesn't necessarily have to be animals. And the reason why I had to point this out is because earlier in the verse, in verse 2, earlier in the chapter, in verse 2, Paul says, look out for the dogs. 
And the commentator is right. He says, it's garbage, it's filth, it's excrement that's fit for dogs. And if you go to third world countries, disgusting, dirty places where there's a lot of filth and garbage, uh, there'll be excrement and the dogs will eat it. Okay, I'm sorry, I know it's really gross, but pay attention to this. Paul is saying, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. This is a dig at those people, those Judaizers, the religious folks who are shoving works on people. Paul says, listen, I used to be like that. I was chasing scuba myself. And that was my food. But now I've seen scuba for what it really is. And you, you're still chasing that and that's what you eat. Okay. He's not, hey, I have to say that because you don't make friends saying things like that. And he's not just saying it like, you know, candidly. It's like, oh, it's just garbage. It's rubbish. He's like, hey, listen, man. It's scuba and you eat it. That's what your religion is. It stinks. Don't talk to me about it. Don't talk to anybody about it. Whew, get it away from me. I know because I used to be that way. We're talking about do you treasure suffering for Christ? And Paul, I said this earlier, these dogs are vicious. They're coming to the church to tear down the grace of God and to introduce their works and that's how disgusting it is to God. And Paul is fighting against this and he's not making friends. If you read through the book of Acts, Paul, right from when he's a believer, the, the, the Pharisees, the Judaizers, the Jews, they were out to get him. All his life, he was marked for death because he was preaching the gospel and he treasured suffering for Christ. He didn't want to run away from it. He found it an honor to continue to stand and to preach the gospel, to keep overcoming his temptation, to give in and to water down the gospel. Look at verse 10 again. It says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Listen to me, folks. Jesus will never be a treasure to you until you come to this beautiful conclusion. He will never be a treasure to you until you come to the conclusion of saying every obstacle that poses as a threat, I'm willing to overcome it and to be beaten down by it if I have to, but I will treasure living and standing for Christ. And for Paul, he was like, listen, man, I am willing to suffer. In fact, we get a little snippet of his suffering over here. Let me read this to you real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Five times, 40 lashes less one. So the punishment was 40 lashes. But they're like, hey, we'll skip one. We'll show you grace. Because that's what religion does. We'll show you grace. Or we'll whack you 39 times. And just in case we missed one, you know what? That's fine. That's okay. You know, we don't want to lash you 41 times. Five times, 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Imagine guys standing around you with a baseball bat beating the tar out of you. That's what happened to me. And this is not because he was a thief. This is not because he was a robber. This is because he was standing up for Christ. Once I was stoned, and that, typically they would stone you to kill you. Like Stephen was stoned, and Paul was there standing and giving out orders and breathing threats against the church. And Stephen was the first Christian martyr. And they stoned him. It's very interesting if you read through the book of Acts. They stone him, and they leave him for dead, and they go back in. And the brothers stood around him, and it says that Paul stood up. It almost seems like he died and came back to life. And you know what he does the next day? Take a wild guess. He preaches. He's not sitting and licking his wounds. Why? Because he treasured suffering for Christ. He treasured it, man. These apostles, they were crazy. It was almost like they were looking to get beaten up for Christ. They were like, I want to preach the gospel. It wasn't a matter of, should we preach today or not? My throat feels sore. They were like, where should we go and preach the gospel? In fact, they're preaching so much that God is like, hey, listen, man, I'm going to put you in prison so you get some rest. But even in prison, they're writing letters to the church. 
Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles. That actually stood out to me a lot this week. He's going out of his way to the Gentiles to preach the gospel. The Judaizers are out to get him, and he's going to the Gentiles. He says, listen, man, the gospel's for you. You don't, need to be, you don't need to put on all a Jewish tradition for you to be saved as a Christian. Receive the grace of God, and those people are coming after him. How many times you've dished out love? You open up your home, and those people turn against you. Paul faced that too. Did it stop him from suffering for Christ? No, it didn't. Danger in the city. Maybe you should have gone to the wilderness, Paul. Oh, no, wait a minute. Danger in the wilderness too. Danger at sea. Danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship through many sleepless nights. In hunger and thirst, often without food. In cold exposure. And apart from the other things, there's a daily pressure on me of what? Of anxiety for all the churches. Paul struggled with anxiety too. Anxiety for all the churches. Some of us, we don't preach the gospel to our loved ones. You know why? Because you're worried that it will become a very personal thing and it'll start, God will start moving in your heart and you'll break your heart and you will sit and have to fast and pray and cry at three in the morning for this person to be saved. Paul didn't run away from that. He considered suffering for Christ a treasure. He was willing to put away all his false religious titles and achievements and not just that, but cut off even those friendships of people. When Paul went and said, hey, listen, I'm not a, a Pharisee anymore, those people didn't put the armor on him and say, I'm good that worldview is working for you. Good for you, man. Whatever works for you. No, they were out to get him. They wanted to kill him. He didn't water it down. He stood strong for the sake of Christ. Once again, Jesus will never be a treasure to you until you come to this beautiful conclusion that no matter what opposition stands your way, stand up for Jesus. Kids, that's sitting over here. Children, I'm telling you, man, don't believe the lie that if you don't do what other people are doing, you will never have friends. I wish I could go back to my young age and stop trying to be what everybody else wanted me to be. I wish I could just be who God was calling me to be right from the beginning. Because I surrounded myself with people who spoke lies into my life, who tried to make me like them instead of me being made into who Christ wanted me to be. If you have to suffer for a little while, don't worry. Don't worry. It's okay. It's okay if you're lonely for a little bit. Those of you who are single, it's okay if you're lonely for a little bit. Don't compromise. Suffer well for the sake of Christ. Overcome temptation. Suffer well. Moreover, your sacrifice has nothing for you to boast about. What have you given up for Christ? I'll tell you what you gave up. You gave up hell. That's all you gave up. That's all you gave up. You know, I've heard people share their testimonies. It's really a bragamony. Because like, I had money and I had women and I was so good and I was so great. And now I'm a bicycle. I own a bicycle and I share the gospel from village to village. Okay, really what you gave up was hell for all the glories of Christ. It's okay if you're on a bicycle. It's okay if in a village in India, being a missionary, you gave up hell for all the glories of Christ. There's nothing for us to boast about in our suffering. We should treasure the suffering that Christ has for us. Lastly, the third question. Do you consider the righteousness of Jesus a treasure? Do you consider the righteousness of Jesus a treasure? You see, it's easy for us to be inundated with the gospel of grace and the good news is just old news. It's possible that we've stopped treasuring the sinless life and sacrifice of Jesus and now we, we overcome temptation not because of love for Jesus but we try to overcome temptation to feed our self-righteous pride. 
Um, a best way for me to put this, as I've been trying to kind of wrestle with the thought and try to, how, how, to, how to share this with you, to help you identify areas in your life where you don't treasure Christ, is um, when we come to know Jesus, when you're a new believer, you feel like, man, I really need Christ. I'm struggling, I'm suffering, I'm dead in my sin, I need Jesus. And a few years later, you kind of feel like, you know what, I got this, Jesus, thank you. I'll see you Sunday at church. I'm not struggling with drugs anymore. I'm not struggling with pornography anymore. I, don't, I really don't need, I don't need you now. I got this from here. Thank you. I mean, in our world, we kind of feel that way. It's like, man, how long are you going to keep coaching me? How long are you going to be mentoring me? When am I going to be a boss? When am I going to be promoted? Not that way in Christian life. In Christian life, we need him every day. We need him every hour. Yes. And the, the time when you feel like you don't need him is when self-righteousness begins to grow. And, 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 and it's quite possible that you've given your Messiah a nice long vacation because you feel like you don't need him. You're like, come down from the cross. It's all right. I got this. I'm fine now. You forgive me. I'm good. And you stop considering the righteousness of Jesus a treasure. Here's our last verse we'll go through in Philippians 3. And I think it's the most important verse in this whole chapter. And it says, and be found in him. And be found in him. And be found in him. This is important because this is the gospel. And be found in him. If God were to look at you right now, what is he going to find you in? Is he going to find you in your rags of righteousness? That's bloody. That's gross. That's stinky. What's he going to find? Is he going to find you living in sin and just saying grace? I'm saved by grace, but you're living in sin. What's he going to find? Is he going to find you going to Tarshish when he told you to go to Nineveh, Jonah? What's he going to find you? Is he going to find you running away from the cross instead of picking it up? having been found in him. And I want you, I want you to know this. Coming from the other side of the world, there's no other worldview that actually gives an invitation to their followers like Jesus does. To be found in him. Muhammad doesn't say, come be found in me. Krishna doesn't say, come be found in me. Buddha doesn't say, come be found in me. Jesus says, be found in him. In other words, saying, don't be found in your own works. Don't be found in your own sin. And don't be found in your own crap, scubula. Be found in me, in my righteousness. And that's such a beautiful thing. Jesus says, you know, my sheep hear my voice and nothing can snatch them out of my hand. Jesus says to the disciples, like, man, I, like I said earlier, I've been with you, but now I'm going to send the comforter. He's been with you, but he'll be in you. In the book of Philippians, it says that we have the mind of Christ. That's insane. This is such a beautiful invitation of the righteousness of Christ that says, you'll be found in him. You'll be immersed in him. You'll be one with him. Man, I want to treasure this righteousness of Christ. Join us this Sunday at the Living Church Boise. Service and address can be found on our website, www.thelivingchurchboise.com. Visit our website for service time and address. 